Well, Alan, I know we have a podcast episode to get into, and I'm excited to talk about that. But I have a rumor that I want to address, and that is there's a rumor going around that I think a certain organization has released a certain tool that's really practical and really awesome. What do you what do you what do you have to say about that? Have you heard this? Well, that's awkward that you would bring it up on the air so publicly here, but I can officially, without a doubt, confirm we are that organization, Stay Forth Designs. And yes, this product that you speak of is officially live and it's called the Right Side Up Journal, second edition. So you and I have been talking about this for a while, but man, I am pumped about this. So this isn't like a vision or a dream. We have regularly people every single morning using our right side up journal so they can live right side up in this crazy and upside down world that we live in. I use it every single morning. I open it up and it has the purpose for each day. It has blocks so that I can plan my day and it pushes the overwhelm away. It brings the clarity up. Here is what I'm going to to do today. And then I open it again tomorrow. I open it again and the same thing. And I've found such consistency in my life. And I've watched my productivity and effectiveness go up through this. And many other people would say the same thing. Um, I I think one of my favorite things about it, Jonathan, is that I get to look back at the end of the week when I'm feeling tired. I'm wondering if I really accomplished much that week, if I did what I was designed to do. And I get to look back over my week with a, a series of assessment questions. Then I get to look ahead and plan my next week. I'll just say this. I sleep easier on Sunday nights than I ever did before. I used to get a little bit of that feeling of, oh man, can I get back on this pony and ride it on Monday morning? And now the answer is yes, because I've planned ahead. We're moving from reactive to proactive and also uh, attached to that as a community. Tell them a little bit about that. Yeah, so what I love about this first and foremost is it's authentic. And we, we say, and if you've tracked along with us, you know that we say that we help people get healthy so they can reach more impact. We help leaders reduce overwhelm and increase clarity. So this is a tool that we utilize because it has to help us do those same things. And so in order for us to take our next steps, we have to have a tool that helps us do that. And so we have created something that works for us and that will work for you. It's not snake oil, as we say. We use it and we live by it and we firmly believe in how it's helped so many leaders onto the community, right set up community. It's a great place for leaders to learn together. We believe in the power of collective genius. So we have this vibrant community of leaders who have come together who are using the journal together, but in different spaces because everyone's leading in vast areas and we grow together. We learn together, we grow together, we take next steps together. So order a journal from rightsideupjournal.com or click the link in the show notes and you will get access to the exclusive right set up community with your purchase of volume two with the Right Side Up Journal. Awesome. Well, guys, um, if you are a leader of any kind, I would highly encourage you to think about going through this with your team as well. We don't just want individuals going through this, but teams going through it together. We can use common language as Jonathan and I can talk about something that's in the journal. If we're having a down week, we can talk about that there. If there's something on our to-don't list, that makes sense to both of us. If there's a healthy decision we're going to make in this next week, or things that we have notable events from last week, we know what we're talking about. Guys, head on over to rightsideupjournal.com, order for you or for your team, and you get to join the Right Side Up community, which is an invite-only community of other leaders who want to get healthy and reach more impact over on Facebook. So yes, we're excited. We'll continue to talk about the journal, but join many, many others who are using this across across the country. So on to today's episode, man, I love a good transformation story. I think that is in the heart 
of every single human is to see someone go from struggle to purpose to uh, living out what we would call your unique design. And you get to hear that today. I bring on a new friend of mine, Sandeep Maeti. And Sandeep grew up in the slums of Calcutta, and he talks about what it was like living in poverty. And now he literally gets to live in purpose, and he works for our great friends and ministry partners at Compassion International. And so he literally gets to help uh, to find sponsorships, churches, and help to run some of the programs that he himself went through and has helped to really pull him um, out of poverty. He talks about the local church. He talks about what a gift that was. And so we talk about what that is like. And it was so eye-opening for me to hear about what the poverty mentality is like to grow up with. That's not how I grew up, far from. And so that's helpful to understand that. And of course, our great friends at Compassion International, ministry partners of ours, we love, love, love what they do. We're good friends uh, of them. So enjoy uh, this conversation. I think we'll add some more growth, some more texture to our lives on moving from poverty to purpose. Sandeep, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. It's my privilege, a blessing, man. Man, well, I'm excited to to dig into your story. You just have a really powerful story. A mutual friend introduced us, and um, why don't you just start there, man? Just how did you grow up, and uh, could just kind of let us into um, some of the cracks in your life that you experienced uh, as a young boy? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one of my vivid memory growing up uh, in Kolkata, India was uh, like waking up every single morning uh, from this little chanty. And this little chanty was made up of four wooden poles and a blue turf would surround these four wooden poles. And it had several holes in it, uh, but I used to call it my mansion because that's the only thing that we had at that point of time. And this little chanty was size of a SUV car in America, if that gives some picture to relate. Um, so every single morning I would be excited and I would go for shopping. Uh, well, I never went for shopping in Target, Walmart, or fancy malls that we see. Uh, but yet, yes, I went for shopping. I went for shopping in the city dumpster. Uh, on a good day, I'll get maybe a bowl of rice. On a bad day, I wouldn't get any. Uh, so tears in my eyes and pain in my stomach, I would just come back to our little chanty and I would just cry and thinking why life is like this. But I still remember before getting into a little chanty, I would stand in front of a school thinking, man, how life could be beautiful inside those walls. And this wall of the school was painted white and it had blue windows. And I would see all these kids uh, waving to their parents. And I would see these uh, kids having a tiffin box. In India, we call it tiffin box where they are carrying their lunch in it. And I would stand there, man, and I would just think, man, I wish my mom could prepare a meal for me and put it in a tiffin box and I could enter this school. So I was desperate to see what was going inside. So I would climb up a 
mango tree and try to see what was going on. And the gatekeeper would see that and would just call me down and yell at me and would just tell me, you don't deserve to stand over here. Look how dirty you are. Uh, look, uh, God is punishing you because I come from a Hindu background. That's what they believe. Um, and they would tell me, you're born in poverty. Most likely you'll be dying in poverty. And he would just abuse me and would just kick me down on the street and tell me all of this. Uh, wow. Somehow I would uh, come out of the situation. I would just go back to my mom and I would just cry on her lap, telling her the story, what has happened, and tell her that why can't you or dad fix this? And the most disappointing part was this, that my mom would every time tell me, son, they are right, what they have said. And we are so sorry. Maybe we don't have enough time to survive also. So that's how uh, life was growing up in Kolkata, India. And man, in fact, during this time, we've been thrown out from the little chanty also on the street of Calcutta. And during this time, I saw a lot of kids on the street dying. And I thought maybe the next day I'll be dying too. And I won't see a sunshine in my life. Uh, the darkness was just creeping and crawling in our life in that point of time. And now walk me through kind of your teenage years. And obviously you got from there to here, but, but kind of that midpoint, what were your teen years like? Yeah, so during this darkness, uh, you know, where I thought there is no hope, uh, hallelujah, and hope was raised, man, from Kentucky Lexington. Uh, through my sponsor, Stephen and Michelle Grooms, when they partnered with Compassion and when Compassion partnered with my local church, I got the opportunity to go to the local church where I got uh, exposed to Compassion program. And in fact, I still remember uh, when I entered the local church, my pastor asked me, what's your name? And that, that was the first time, believe you me, somebody asked me, what is my name? For the first time, I thought somebody was looking at me. Wow. I, 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 I just saw that I had been looked upon. I just saw that, man, like they genuinely care about me. In fact, they told me, hey, are you hungry? And I said, yes, I am. Of and course. they said, well, <laughs> uh, you know, you can, you can have lentils, you can have rice. Uh, you can have chicken. And I was like, what did you just say? Chicken? I'm like, yes, I'll have chicken. And that was the first time I had chicken in that child development center. Uh, and I got new shoes. I got new clothes. I got books. I got education. Um, I got clean water. Uh, all those things are very important. But I said the most important thing that I have received is the word of God for which I got salvation, not only me, my family started believing in Christ. Uh, but all of this happened only because, you know, a hope was raised through my sponsor. They wrote me letters um, and they prayed for me. And all of those things brought so much value to my life. And I started reading the Bible. And I always say this, we got a lot of information, but the word of God didn't just give me information, but it's more about the transformation that was happening in my life through my sponsor, 
through my pastor, that the leader that has uh, set an example in front of me, how to be a leader, you know? So uh, that was growing up a little bit uh, in my teenager time. And uh, after that, in fact, I got the opportunity uh, to go to grade 11 and 12. Uh, it is a little more expensive in India to go to grade 11 and 12. But my pastor again told me, Sandeep, go to any school you want. Um, and guess which school I went to? I went back to the same school where 10 years back I used to stand and I used to think how life could be beautiful inside those walls. Wow. Well, I know a huge piece of your uh, kind of theme of your life and your story is hope. But before we talk about that, um, help us understand the poverty mentality. Uh, what will help listeners understand what that poverty mentality is like and really kind of how it grinds down at your soul? Yeah. When, when you are growing up in poverty, the first thing that happens is poverty paralyzes you in knowing that you cannot do anything. You are stuck. You think the wall of poverty is building up in front of you every single day and how hard you try to hit it and want to break it, it doesn't. It breaks you down. And uh, you, you never see hope when you are in poverty. That's the biggest challenge. Uh, when I was introduced with hope, <laughs> I could fight against poverty. And I feel like there is different kinds of poverty, right? It's not only poverty that, that making you that you don't have enough food or you don't have enough clothes. There is spiritual poverty. There is a poverty of weakness that stand in front, in front of us like a giant. And hope is a beautiful thing. Hope makes you think that I can, I am able to fight against any kind of poverty because there is always hope in Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's right, man. So after grade 11 and 12, what happened next? So once I went to grade 11 and 12, uh, then I wanted to go to a hospitality university. And then um, some of my relatives, some of my teachers told me that, hey, Sandeep, you know, you cannot go and do hospitality uh, degree. And I said, why? And they said, because your English is like rotten cabbage. Uh, you, 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 don't, you don't qualify to go there. You're not qualified. And, you know, I was sitting down with my pastor and um, my pastor and my parents was telling me that Sandeep, you, you have to understand that, uh, God doesn't always calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. So you need to understand, Sandeep, that if you are called to do this degree, God will qualify you. And the good news is, uh, man, I am a graduate from a hospitality uh, university. And I always say this, uh, I, I I couldn't have done that degree only because of my strength, but I could do it because what God called me to and how he was shaping me in that season that I could pursue that degree and complete that. 
Man, that's that's incredible. And I'm I'm curious, do you ever slip back into that uh, poverty mentality? Do, do you ever sense that kind of coming back in your life from your childhood? You know, sometimes it does. Yes, sometimes you it does when you are in desperate situation. Uh, as you come from that poverty mentality, it strikes you once in a while, and it it breaks you down. Like man, you know, like things are getting tough over here. Like, should I like go back to poverty kind of thing? Like, is this situation pushing me? But the beautification of hope is this. Now, as I said, you know, when I was growing up, I saw that wall of poverty was piling every single day in front of me. But now, as I have hope, this is how I see life now, that the wall of hope is been piling up in front of me every single day. And now I get to stand on that wall and then I get to shine the light of Christ to others and encourage people in telling them that, hey, you're not defined by your past. You are defined by Christ, who is love. So sometimes we are human, you know, uh, we can always fall back and just see, oh man, gosh, you know, life would be bad as it was in the past. Uh, but again, when you have hope, uh, you, you know how to fight against the giant who is standing in front of you. Mm. So what was your journey uh, over to the U.S. And, and then eventually getting to work for Compassion? Yeah, so first I came to U.S. as a speaker for Compassion. So I was speaking in uh, several youth camps, and that's when uh, God was pounding in my heart and was uh, telling me, Sandy, what is next for you? And I really wanted to work for Compassion from that point of time. That was 2013. That's when I came to the United States for the first time. And then I went back to India and I was praying and uh, hoping that something will open up for me to serve at Compassion. And then after a year, God opened up opportunity for me to serve at Compassion in trips and visits uh, so what my role was to plan, budget, and take pastors and supporters and sponsors to different countries and show what Compassion was doing to be transparent. Uh, so I did that uh, for a while. And right now I'm serving in the church team. Uh, so my role is to build up relationship with pastors and to see uh, what is their vision and how uh, compassion and myself can come alongside of them and, uh, you know, to shape that vision and see how we can bring that vision to reality. Wow. man, it's incredible how your stories come full circle. I love the work of compassion actually stay forth in compassion. I have a partnership. Um, we sponsor children in three different countries. I've seen many compassion sites and churches which really feels like a community center mixed with a church, mixed with a kitchen. I mean, it's an unbelievable way that it transforms community. So I'm a huge fan of compassion. What was that like to turn that full circle and being a compassion kid now to actually get to work for that organization and push that mission down the field? What did that feel like? Man, it feels like you're living in your dreams, you know? 
uh, is I always say I'm over blessed what God has done in my life yeah. and where God has put me right now. Um, so uh, when, when I speak to uh, the pastors or to any listeners, I, I speak from two perspectives as a child and as a supporter and a sponsor of compassion. So as you, we, we, we sponsor uh, three children through compassion and man, I just, I just love uh, compassion because of so many reasons, but I just love how compassion works through the local church. It's a church driven action that compassion works through. And I love that how these pastors in this developing nation is pouring their time and energy day and night into these children so that they can be a leader one day in that particular country or in some other countries where God is calling them, right? And then I love the passion of the pastors and the leaders over here in the United States that they are pouring their time and energy day and night in their community, as well as coming alongside of compassion to tap and pour into this children's life in the developing nation where compassion is working. Because this is what I believe more than the sponsorship, I feel like compassion is working more into discipleship. Yeah. where one get to disciple this child like me when I was a small child that I didn't know about Christ, but because of somebody poured and tapped into me, I came to know about the unconditional love of Christ. Yeah, there's really nothing like it. I mean, like you say, working through the local church, and if you're listening to this and you are a pastor, just know that I, when I really discovered how amazing Compassion's work was, I was a pastor nervous about, right, how do we make sure that we do work through the locals? How do we make sure that it's local church centric? How do we make sure it's sustainable? All those questions Compassion asks, and you guys do that so well. And I'm just a huge fan of Compassion and have met many of those pastors, amazing brothers and sisters across the world doing incredible work who we get to come alongside of in that. And it's incredible to, to watch. So man, it's so cool to hear your story. Uh, Sandeep, talk about why compassion beyond just that local church piece of it. Why is compassion so unique? I mean, there's tons of child sponsorship models out there, but what truly is unique about what compassion does? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, I, I just love compassion program because it's just not only uh, the sponsorship piece, as I said, is more about the discipleship. You know, I love the letter writing piece that Compassion has. I still have my letters that my sponsor wrote to me. And I still remember, I can quote this. My sponsor wrote to me this. The last letter that I received was this. This is what they said. The Sandeep, maybe we won't see you on this side of the heaven, but for sure we're going to see you on the other side of the heaven because we are connected in Christ. I still remember my sponsor telling me, Sandeep, we are praying for you every day. And you know what, Alan, that meant so much to me growing up because I didn't knew a lot of people in my community that was praying for me. 
But I knew for sure that somebody from the other side of the planet was praying for me. Uh, so those are the things that is very unique uh, about compassion, how they uh, really value in that one-to-one uh, relationship and that discipleship. And in fact, uh, through these letters, you know, you, you're just not only encouraging the child. I still remember my sponsor writing a paragraph for my parents, telling them, hey, this time I want to just write to Sunday mom and dad saying, you guys are valued. We are praying for you. Thank you for doing a great job in raising your child. And we are so blessed that we can come alongside mm. of this yeah. and be in this journey with you. And my mom and dad took that to the next level that they thought they are so much value that somebody is coming alongside of them in this journey to raise their children. So compassion is just uh, not only, uh, you know, impacting a child's life, but I think they're impacting the whole family's life. And then that family is impacting their community. So there is a ripple effect uh, that the sponsorship has in one's life. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, You know, as, as you say that, the word that I hear is dignity. And when I've sat in people's homes that are incredibly small, sometimes, you know, it's kind of cracking walls, just barely enough room for us to kind of sit on a bed or something, kind of always a low ceiling. Um, as we're in these homes, they have dignity about them working hard, providing for their family. And compassion actually adds dignity through that process to the family as well. Not viewing, you know, these poor children struggling, but the opportunity like you said, to bring that really a second word is hope. That's always in those communities where I see these compassion um, projects through the local church. Man, I love hearing your story and just the freshness of it. It's got to be incredible to be living out your mission, speaking about it, working with pastors uh, to do something that literally impacted your life and changed the course of your life as a kid. This It's it's amazing to chat with you, to, to hear your story. Uh, Absolutely. What would you say? to um, pastors who are considering getting involved, maybe even just an individual sponsor, considering getting involved um, in what Compassion does. Um, Why get involved? And what are some of the next steps if they do want to get involved? Yeah, why? Why to get involved? Because I think this is the most desperate time, uh, man, to get involved because what is happening around us uh, and in the developing nations, the pandemic has brought so much uh, of poverty that I cannot explain in words. Um, so I would say if God is calling you to do this right now, man, from my experience, I can tell you this is the right thing to do. Um, to pastors, uh, man, I would say uh, <laughs> seeing my pastors when I was growing up, uh, he would always say, one child at a time, I want to make a difference in. And he chose me, you know, in that time frame that made a huge difference in my life. And I could be alive, to be honest. I'm speaking to you, Alan. So uh, to the leaders that, man, if you can tap and pour into this uh, would be an amazing thing to advance the kingdom. The next step would be to go to compassion.com slash 
church, uh, there, that would be a great beginning point for all of us to start. Awesome. And I, I would just say, I know that fear that you have, if, if you're a pastor to think, oh man, will this hurt our giving? Will this hurt our other budget? And many, many, many times I've heard, no, it actually generosity increases more generosity and begets more generosity. And I've heard many uh, of those fears, which are legitimate, um, but just don't work out in reality. In reality, people give more and there's such a blessing to that. I've been part of Compassion Sundays, have had Jimmy Miato, you know, speak at the church that I was pastoring at at the time. Um, and just am so impressed. We know Wes, we know Jimmy, the leadership uh, is absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm curious, Sandeep, did you ever get to meet your sponsor family? Yes, I did. Uh, thank you for asking that question. Yes, I did. In uh, 2013, when I came over here as a speaker and speaking for Compassion, uh, man, I was blessed that I could go to their house in Kentucky. So Compassion arranged that for me and I could go and meet them. And I tell you, man, I was not able to speak in front of them. I was like, man, I forgot English or something because I was so nervous and I was so happy. <laughs> and it was an amazing, amazing uh, time that we had. And in fact, in 2015, when I got married, uh, my sponsor name was Stephen and Michelle Groom. By that time, they had two daughters. Uh, and in 2015, when I got married, their two daughter was in our wedding as flower girl. So, wow. yeah, just to see this relationship, God has been orchestrating and uh, bringing us so close and together is just amazing. And till now, I'm in contact with them and it's been an amazing journey for all of us. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Sandeep, so grateful for you, for your story. And just on behalf of Compassion, I just want to say thank you for serving millions and millions of kids across the world. And um, also, Compassion has poured many millions of dollars into uh, COVID relief. And we were part of that. If you came to the Healthy Leaders Summit, 100% of the proceeds from that went to straight into COVID relief. And well, you guys are not a relief organization. You're a development and empowerment organization. I'm just so grateful for that. Guys, the needs are huge right now. And a sovereign theme in my life, Sandeep, is orphan care. My wife and I have two adopted children. Obviously, we love the work of compassion. We try to help um, other people with their questions about adoption. It's just something that's marked our lives. And so um, we are partners with Compassion at Stay Forth. We absolutely love what you guys are about. So grateful for you, Sandeep. Thanks so much for all that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and a lot of blessings to all of our listeners.